Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Log Talk Radio. Log, 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 talk radio. This thing right here is for my people's in the streets. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. we There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. <laughs> Devon dropped Yes, yes, yes. Today, Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. If you'd like to lose your money, be a fool and bet on Sunday. Clay, come back to me, listen. And listen starts to retreat. If listen goes back in his father, he'll end up in the ringside seat. Clay swings with his belt. Clay swings with his right. Look at young actors carry the fight. The greatest, born Cassius Marcellus Clay, January 17, 1942, in Louisville, Kentucky. He changed his name to Muhammad Ali soon after he became the youngest heavyweight champion of the world after defending the mighty Sonny Liston. And he left us on July 4th at 74 years old with an imprint that the world is still trying to understand. As always, we thank you for spending the next 90 minutes with us. 
This is a one mic, uh, real sports guys, brought to you by Blog Talk Radio. Uh, thank you for being with us tonight. I'm here with my man Hank, and you know we got to start out by remembering you know, someone that impacted our life. But before we get on uh, and bless the mic, I'm gonna have my guy Hank come on in. How you doing, Hank? And I got to help Hank a little bit because I. Hey, I hey, hey! Him. What's happening? You there know. I, uh, you know, it's always, always good being on the airwaves with the D-Wheels. Uh, as we were talking off air, folks, before we got on, it seems like now it's uh, it, it, it's getting kind of uh, bittersweet. You know, it's awesome to be able to get on here and rap a little bit about what's going on in the sports world, but it almost seems like it's synonymous with us losing another icon. You know, the last time I was on the air with you, we were talking about Prince, and we dedicated that whole show to, you know, a musical icon, a musical legend, and now you're talking about a sports icon, sports legend that just transcended sports in real life. You know, um, it, 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 it's, it's almost it's surreal, actually. You know, what's been going on in 2016 with some of our heroes, you know, just seem to be, you know, falling. But uh, this one this one hurts as much as, as the rest, but... You know, you 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 when you say Muhammad Ali, you're not just talking about boxing. You're you're talking about a humanitarian for all ages. Yeah, I mean it's um, you know I was I was talking to uh, Phil T, uh, you know one of our the big three on our big on our on our big show on our other podcast, and uh, Phil and I were talking, and, and Phil and I are separated by about ten years, and so um, he's younger than me, and so the way he he saw Ali, he, he just saw like the real tail end of his career. And I kind of saw the last half and I would see you probably saw, you know, all of his career in, in, in most ways or most of it in, in a different way. So you could see, you've seen, you got your chance to see the transition. And, you know, what I told him is that, um, you know, you know, until we, until Obama became president, you know, for me growing up, you know, Ali was that voice, you know, we didn't have a president, but we had somebody, who uh, was like that moral conscience, who was that person who pushed again, uh, pushed against things, kind of had this kind of global impact in a way that we we would hope that a president would. You know, if you were a young black man growing up in, you know, uh, the 70s and the 80s, um, really thinking about what's going on. And so, you know, losing someone like that, as you said, you know, I, I think about the impact that you know, Prince had on me musically. And so, you know, we're losing these folks who help to kind of shape, you know, our thinking, you know, and help us to to kind of see life. And, and what was similar about both of them is that um, they they gave you permission to, 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 to go against the grain and be outside the box and be independent. So, you know, you know, when I started seeing the news that he was hospitalized, you know, you kind of get this feeling and things kind of go. It's, it's, uh, it's just an, incredible you know hey when you think about ali like what are some of the memories that you had when you when you think about ali and and, and how he shaped you and the things that impacted you well see let me tell you that from the, in the sports world ali uh you know with me growing up ali became you know you know everybody's hero you know i i can tell you that uh ali was uh my dad's hero as far as a fighter and you know, you when you're close to your to your to your dad, or you're close to your parents, all of a sudden he becomes your hero. When I remember, when I think about Muhammad Ali, I always think about the first fight against uh, Joe Frazier. 
I was way too young to even know nor care about boxing when he beat uh, Sonny Liston. Okay, when I first heard about or understood about Muhammad Ali uh, was when he was fighting Joe Frazier the first time. I just remember the buzz of him coming back after the whole uh, having his title stripped from him. All these things happened while I was way too young to even understand who he was, while he was beginning his time as an activist. But as a young man, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm listening to my father talk about, this was right during, during the time of the Vietnam War, you know, when Ali said the, 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 the uh, famous line that he didn't have anything against the Viet Cong, so why should he go over there and fight? Um, and I'm paraphrasing that. But uh, that was while I was just, you know, way too too young to understand the impact that he was already making on 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 this on this world. When I again, when I first understood what was going on, was the hype that was going around with the first fight between him and uh, Joe Frazier. This was his coming out fight. He's ready to get back into it. There was a lot of buzz about him coming out as Muhammad Ali, you know, against. Uh, uh, um, Joe Frazier, and he lost that fight. And I remember just the devastation, how my father felt and everything, uh, that Joe Frazier had broke his jaw. I remember, uh, like it was yesterday, that he was actually on TV, uh, I want to say like days after the fight against Frazier. He was talking to Howard Cosell, that back then all them fights was on TV. Uh, not not They was on closed circuit back then. I'm, I'm really dating myself now. But I just remember that from that fight and moving on, that Muhammad Ali and his name and just his charisma and just who he was, how he was, how he made himself be a a a, a figure that you just had to pay attention to. And when he lost fights, it almost was it almost hurt you because he couldn't be, even though he was just a human being. People idolized him. They idolized him for what he was, who he was, because he did talk loudly, but he backed it up. And for anyone my age and and, and a little older, uh, he was the man. I mean, he just, he was. Anywhere, any sport, anything that went on, Muhammad Ali was it. At any time he fought, people stopped, okay? Of all colors, of all genders, they stopped to watch what Muhammad Ali did. You know, a lot of people, a lot of the fighters right now, this was in boxing's heyday, you know, when all the heavyweights ruled the roost. And now, here it is in 2016, of all the great fighters that that, that, that uh, were out in the 70s and the 80s, you know, you had the Muhammad Ali's, you had the Joe Frazier's, you had the Ken Norton's, you had the, uh, the, the uh, George Foreman's. The, the, and you had these fighters going after each other. It was something to see, and they hated each other, okay? And they fought, okay? None of the dancing around that Mayweather did. They fought, okay? Now, that probably hurt a lot of these guys, especially Ali, who spent 30-plus years with Parkinson's. But that being said, you got your money's worth when you watch those guys fight. They hated each other. And, you know, even though you went to the lesser weights now, the welterweights, you had the, at the time, you had the spinoffs when you had the Sugar Ray Leonard's, when you had the Tommy Hearns. They were coming from behind. They was coming up after watching the Ali's and the Frazier's. So you saw great fighters, which also begat great fighters in the lesser weight classes. And, and that was the heyday of boxing. Nothing like we have today. But, I think, but, but you have to attribute all of that to Muhammad Ali 
and what he did. He transcended sports from one of the most violent sports out there when you talk about fighting and boxing. But he was a humanitarian. People loved him. And, you know, he's going to be sorely missed. I don't think that his passing, uh, you know, and I have to be uh, sensitive how I say this. A lot of people know he was sick for a long time. But people can reminisce on Muhammad Ali. People watch Muhammad Ali's health deteriorate over the last several years, and a lot of people are thankful that he's no longer uh, in pain, that he is at peace, and it is a it is a monumental loss. But, you know, as, as, as time goes, he will always be remembered for the man that he was versus what, what, what uh, nature and health, you know, uh, reduced him to. But but when you hear the tributes, those are heartfelt tributes of a of a great man, of a great humanitarian, over decades that transcends generations. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys on one mic. Uh, we're here with uh, with Devon Wilson and and my guy Hank Davis. You know we are spend some time talking about the greatest. And you know when you just say the greatest, you know people already know. What you're talking about, Muhammad Ali, worldwide, and uh, Hank, you 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 talked about, um, you know, his you know his ability and willingness to fight and fight anyone. I, I was uh, last night I was watching uh, a documentary that they were doing. They were doing several things uh, uh, related to Ali, but the one on Spinks, Leon Spinks, and uh, you know, you know, you forget how good the Spinks brothers were. They have two brothers that good, but. Leon, just hearing him talk about that experience and that preparation, how much he wanted to win. I, as he was describing, I could remember almost crying when Ali lost to Leon, and you know he came back and and, and won the, the 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 second fight. But you know the emotion that it, it, that that people had and how much they uh, put in Ali as we you know rooted him on, and um, you know and and you know the Fraser fight, the first one. Um, in uh, uh, in Madison Square Garden, um, uh, you know where it was divided, you know, and and the irony between you know how Joe Frazier was portrayed and how you know Ali portrayed him, and given that you know Frazier had this you know really rough and tumble up, uh, upbringing, Ali had more of a, 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 a middle class kind of upbringing, just the complexity of him, but then in the end. You know, to be able to preach this kind of thing around love, and you know, and in the story of how you grow, like even though he was an icon, he was someone who went through a complex kind of life, both in the ring and out of the ring, um, and and lived in in doing it in 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 front of the whole world, which was a, a, amazing. Um, and fought anyone, you know, Ernie Shavers uh, talking about, you know, he didn't know how he survived mm-hmm. the fight with him. You know, Ernie was knocking everybody out. You know, right. you know, the people weren't, you know, and so, you know, all the tough fights he took on towards the end of his career um, when, you know, in, with the idea he just wanted to give the people what they wanted, you know. And so, you know, that's something that is uh, incredible about it. You know, one of the things we talk about on Real Sports Guys is um, in particular when we're talking about athletes today. Um, and, I, and I think LeBron has been a great example of this, you know, understanding kind of this not because people are putting pressure on you, but understanding your own personal values around your, your larger kind of social responsibility. And, you know, I think about, you know, people like, um, at that time, Lou Alcindor, then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, 
um, all these folks who were rallying around him when he was, you know, um, really contesting, you know, being drafted. And uh, and the, the fact that folks were putting careers on the line, you know, think about these folks are like 25, 26 years old and mm-hmm. willing to kind of put their careers on the line. Um, what similarities do you see to that? They're not necessarily putting their careers on the line as much, but some of the activism we see today with some of these student athletes from Missouri football players to with the, um, the Clippers uh, players did and LeBron and all these folks giving, you know, the Sterling stuff. I mean, there's been this level of activism from athletes um, here recently, uh, you know, with all, you know, the movement and some of the social stuff. Do you see, do you see essence of some of those things that not to the great degree that you saw with Ali? And do you see that influence uh, as part of it? You know, I, that's a that's a that's a ter- that's a terrific question, because see, a lot of times what you saw, what you what, what you saw in 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 the past, was uh, you had people that became martyrs, all right, and they had a lot to lose. Okay, Ali had a loss, could have lost a lot, did lose a lot of money, lost his championship, you know, for a cause for a religious cause, for a belief, okay, changed his name for his religious beliefs, okay, didn't care what anybody thought, okay, said many times that he prayed to God every day, said so even in the clip that you played prior to the show starting, you know, he's prayed to God every day. I don't know if in today's world if these athletes are doing this, you know, uh, to be self-absorbed, or if they're, you know, if they truly believe it, and let me tell you why, because you, as, as we we've talked about uh, Donald Sterling, and you talked about the Clippers, but not one of those guys walked off the court and said they weren't. They said they weren't going to play, but didn't miss a game. Okay, mm-hmm. you do see some charity work sometimes from some of these guys, but you have to ask yourself today, honestly, are they doing that uh, in earnest? Or are they doing that to change their image, you know, to give themselves a better image? You brought up LeBron James. LeBron James, you know, the self-proclaimed king of basketball, you know, was not – and it's still the jury is out on his likability in the league. He does a lot of things, and I'm not going to see here and say whether or not he's doing it uh, – um, because he, he, he's trying to give back. He, he probably does, and, and, and he gets a lot of good publicity for that. But yet and still, you can't be a, you can't the skeptic, and you cannot help but to say that, listen, this also has to help to boost its image, you know, because as many people like LeBron James, a lot of people still can't stand him, okay? So this is the thing about today. What are these athletes really willing to put out there, you know? What are they willing to risk, you know, for their cause? One thing about Muhammad Ali, uh, he was willing to risk it all. Last thing about these other athletes, and, and granted, it's a different time. These were your trailblazers. These were the guys, the the, the 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 original foot soldiers that had to carve a path for today's athlete to come down. Okay, so your Muhammad Ali's, your Jim Browns, all of those guys, you know, the first to do anything as African-American athletes or, or athletes of color, 
yeah, their path was going to have to be, they were going to have to blaze the trail. So that your LeBron Jameses and for and then for the Clipper players or anybody else to even try to speak out. But he had a lot to lose. So, you know, when you ask these guys, it's like, how much are you willing to lose? What are you willing to risk, you know, to take a stand? Are you willing to take the risk of a Muhammad Ali? Are you willing to take the risk of a Jim Brown? Just quit, you know, for a greater cause. And and, and those players have to look at themselves in the face and ask themselves that, or are you just trying to promote your own self-image? So, you know, the skeptic in me, I can't say anybody today, you know, as much as well like to some of these athletes are, I can't see them doing what what a Muhammad Ali did, what a Jim Brown did, uh, because the the risk to them, they were the trailblazers. I don't know what, what, what trail there is to blaze for some of these guys. And, you know, while we and, – and granted, I'm not saying everything is good. It's not. But are you willing to put your career on the line? Are you willing to risk it all for a greater good – as some of these, as some of these uh, uh, pioneers did, I don't see that happening today. And that again is one. Of, that's one of the social problems that we have. Well, and, and you know, I think what's interesting about it is, you know, one of the things that people, and this is why I think LeBron is doing it. When they had the meeting um, in a uh, center that was focused on economic development, uh, Jim Brown and others were really. And this is one of the issues I bring up today, and I think this is where athletes um, can have a, a tremendous impact. And I think where I think the modern-day athlete, like someone like LeBron is doing, is they understand their value as a corporation. In some ways, they are leveraging in the same way as those early business leaders did in the earliest 20th century uh, when they leveraged their funds to impact um, and, and kind of, you know, do the things that allow for them to have a little bit more economic control. And so, you know, some of the stuff that he's doing Akron with the Akron Promise, some of the things that he's doing from a business standpoint to create opportunity is where I think he is maybe advancing the game. I, I said with LeBron, we're not going to understand his impact for another 15, 20 years with the thing this young man is laying down. And so, I, But I think you make some really good and important points that we got to pay attention to that I'd like to dig into you know, a, a little bit deeper when, uh, when we come back from this uh, from this short break.
is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the Real Sports Guys. Woo pig. All right, you listen to the one mic on the Real Sports Guys platform. I'm here with my guy, Hank Davis, and uh, we've been spending this first part of this podcast reflecting on uh, Muhammad Ali, and uh, we'll, we'll spend another segment um, uh, kind of talking about this uh, uh, as well. Um, you know, this is someone that uh, is uh, has had an Im- impact uh, uh, around the world, um, and um, in in getting people, you know, who probably never saw him to fight, but to understand uh, kind of what he meant to a larger sense in terms of our society. You know, the ultimate kind of intersection between sport and society um, is exemplified by the life of Muhammad Ali. He will be buried uh, Friday um, in a part of a large memorial service in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, the eulogy will be conducted uh, by, I think, Bill Clinton. Uh, it's going to be one of them, Billy Crystal um, and Bryant Gumbel. Um, and, you know, the dignitaries will probably be there from all over the world. Um, I think there's a, a processional that's going to begin around 9 a.m. I'm going to some of his some of the main landmarks and then um, ending up uh, with the ceremony. And so, um, you know, uh, we want to, as real sports guys, these are things that are important to us. And, you know, Hank and I have talked about here um, uh, that, uh, you know, obviously had an impact on both of our lives and um, folks around us uh, and our growing up. And, you know, and and we, we seem to be, um, you know, coming on, uh, Hank and I are coming up, we, we seem to be talking about icons uh, for most of our show, but you know, I guess that, that it means the timing's right, and we're probably the right people to have that dis- that discussion. Um, you know, one of the things I probably think I want to get into in this in this um, kind of the final segment. You know, we got a little bit into the kind of the the, the future, and you know, what does this mean, and where the other voices um, come from. You know, one of the things I, I mentioned earlier um, uh, when I was talking on the phone with Phil. Uh, about this uh, uh, in terms of our generation was that um, this idea of, you know, Ali for for me personally was uh, the closest thing that I thought I would come to would be a black president in terms of someone having a broader impact uh, that I saw. I didn't have a chance to see Dr. King, um, didn't have a chance to see Malcolm X, um, but, you know, someone that had that kind of global impact uh, on people and was that, that visibility uh, in a way, um, then you know, then we were, then we have Obama, uh, which created a whole other charge. Um, this idea of thinking outside the box, living outside the box. You know, you and I, and I know you work with a lot of young professionals. You work with a lot of young people. I do as well. You know, um, do you see um, a potential? Given even everything that we said, you know, do you see the potential of of having that kind of energy, uh, you know, continue on? Do you see, you know, um, the the growing activism that I've definitely seen on the college campus that I work on, you know, um, with folks? Um, do you see that? Do you see possibilities that going, coming out somewhere? You know, how do you see that, that happening? Um, I'm pretty optimistic. So, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you see that kind of cultivation happening? Do you see that? Well, I'll tell you. Um, 
and, and I, again, I have to choose my words carefully because what I, <laughs> I think is going to happen is you, you're going to have to have a jolt somewhere, okay? There's just too much, in my opinion, crazy going on and, uh, uh, to allow, you know, order not to find its way. And you mentioned mm-hmm. Missouri. You, you mentioned other campuses where the students themselves, you know, are saying enough. You know, what I am seeing is some students, some students are trying to really, you know, reel it in a little bit, that 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 is a little bit too out of control. Uh, when you go back again to what we saw and what, you know, when you, we talk about an Ali, when you talk about there was a cause out there. There was a cause out there that was directly impacting young people, okay, that taking lives away from young people. All right, we were in a war that we shouldn't have been in, the Vietnam War. And you were going to have a high profile athlete uh get drafted and be and, and have to uh you know, go to war. All right. Now you think about he won his title uh, at twenty two years old, so he's a very young man, Muhammad Ali. All right. So he he doesn't do that. That impacts other young people. If you recall that during that time, you had college campuses across the country protesting against this war, all right? And the students could rally around that. They could rally around a young athlete at the the peak of his career, willing to lay it aside, you know, for a cause. And they could rally around that. You're going to have to have something like that happen today. Right now, it's extremely sparse. All right, there are bits and pieces, and you can you can to a certain degree, you know, look to the political arena and what's being said out here openly. You know, the hate that's being spewed openly by some of the candidates, and you can ask yourself, is that enough? Is that enough of a spark to rally the young people? You know, to rally a generation, and that's what you have to have. You have to have something that rallies a generation to get them behind something to to you know want to be active in in whatever that something is. Muhammad Ali did that. He took uh the fact that he wasn't going to go to war, the fact that he was African American, the fact that he decided to, you know, follow the Muslim faith and and still be able to be who he was, still, you know, self-proclaimed greatest of all time but was a humanitarian, went around the world, okay, and and into into Africa, into England, into all these different places where he was able to be an ambassador amongst himself, okay? And so are we going to ever have a, so I don't never say never because whatever was old, whatever was new has happened before. There's nothing new under the sun. So I'm never going to say never, but you're going to have to have some sort of rallying point right now versus the sparse activism on some campus, something to really galvanize everybody. I don't know what that is. Well, and I think you, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head. It's, it's, you know, what's that greater cause? A lot of times I'm talking to students about, you know, what's your why? You know, what's mm-hmm. the, what gets you up every day? Because it's not what, it's not that you want to be a doctor. That's, that's not enough. You know, the, the uh, correlation between satisfaction and money, 
think that drops off at about fifty, sixty thousand dollars. So salaries going up, satisfaction dropping off. So you know, it comes down to what is what gets you up. You know, what are you trying to cause? What are the cause you're trying to serve? Is um, what becomes important. And I think you know, I think back then because of the fact that um, you know, if you were an athlete. Um, at that time, you could really begin to see some of the stark differences. You were traveling into parts of the country where you may not have had the same luxury or treatment as some of your teammates. You could sense a lot of these different things, and um, so you were hypersensitive to it. Um, I think the, you know part of the Black Lives Matter movement may have created a lot more of that um, in 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 um, a lot of different ways, but. Um, you know, what's the sustainable, what's the end? And, and so out of, out of those times came specific plans. So people came up with economic plans. People came up with uh, other types of plans that were going to be a response to that. Um, and, and what we don't see now is, what you know, um, you know what's, the, what's the outcome, what's the solution? Um, I think Hillary Clinton sat down with some young po- folks for the Black Lives Matter movement. It's like, what do you want? Well, then, you know, you got to be able to have your 10-point program or your three-point program and, like, really be clear about what your solution is. And so, you know, I, I think you're right. It's like what I do admire about someone like LeBron is that I think he got his 10-point plan. <laughs> He's not going to tell you because what he understands, mm-hmm. what he watched from his history is you can't let the people know the plan is coming. But mm-hmm. every little piece that he has is about setting up that game plan from the from the billion-dollar deal with Nike to to you know the work he's doing in Akron the later foundation the education piece to I mean I think he's got he's architecting up a plan in a way that that is doing it while he's playing whereas a lot of these cats are doing it and we'll talk a little bit about somebody else I think is doing it in ways that people uh, wouldn't think they were doing it but I think there's some folks who are, are beginning to understand that they're just less uh, I think he's more stealth mode than anything so I think you're going to see more athletes who are more stealth mode because they've seen the history and they've seen how people reacted that they're laying the foundation in ways that they've learned from watching others. Um, Mm -hmm. I think LeBron is probably the first one to put it all together. There's some other cats put together, but they're not put together at the level of LeBron. Right. Um, But but here's here's the thing too. Okay. When you, when you talk about LeBron, the one thing LeBron has that uh, Muhammad Ali has, is that he 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 can be a polarizing uh, character. Now what yes. he does with that, you know, but you know he has to figure out a way to use that to his advantage. All right, that's what mm-hmm. Ali was able to do. When Ali was doing all that talking, people couldn't stand him, but he backed it up. Okay, and mm-hmm. even if he lost, he came right back, and and he conquered. Okay, and he told people, you know, straight out, don't don't ever bet against me. I'm the greatest. Now, see, I don't know how that would play today. I really don't. But he was able mm-hmm. to do it. You know, he did a lot of things that, that athletes today just ain't going to put themselves out to do. I mean, he was mm-hmm. – that was the one thing you couldn't take from him. He didn't fear no man. You know, he would go while the fighter that he's fighting, uh, his opponent, he would go to his training camp and start talking about him while he's in there sparring with somebody else, that we can fight on your mm-hmm. front yard. You know, a lot of things I don't know he can get away you can get away with today. And, you know, he did some greater good. I think that that's what a LeBron or a lot of these athletes need to do. If you're going to put yourself out there, put yourself out there all the way. 
and and, mm-hmm. and and no, not to toot your own horn, but if you are going to be that activist, if you're going to be that one character that galvanizes a generation, then it 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 it, it takes a little bit of self sacrifice. It takes a little bit of okay. Yeah. I know that I'm going to have to put myself out here a little bit further than I want to, and I'm going to upset some sponsors, and I'm going to upset some people because this is what I believe in. And how strong is your faith in what you believe in? And that's where, you know, regardless of how you spend your money, you know, that's that's that was the difference between Muhammad Ali and the modern athlete. I don't care. This is what I believe in, and this is what I'm going to do. You're not going, and I'm not going to be bought on that. Well, man, I'm telling you, um, you know, we 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 are uh, we have, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate and to uh, have lived uh, in the, in this time. You know, it's uh, one of those things where, um, uh, you know, um, you just can't uh, you can't. Uh, you can't imagine having it back. It's just, uh, and, um, you know, like I said, I'm, um, I'm feeling like, uh, um, uh, you know, that, that, that we're, that we're fortunate. So, you know, we will, we will close out this, this segment. You know, I, um, as I told Phil T, I said, you know, it, 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 uh, it, uh, it hurt my, it hurt my heart. Um, uh, when, uh, when, uh, I heard he passed because uh, it just felt like so much of the things that happened in my life uh, were just coming to forefront and, and really made me even think more about what my purpose is uh, being here, you know, and what what it is that I'm hoping to leave. And so, uh, and we thank y'all for being with us. One mic uh, here on the Real Sports Guys platform. It's Devon and it's Hank. Um, we got more. We're going to shift gears when we come back from uh, this message. Um, we're gonna we're gonna hit uh, a little bit of uh, inside the park. Uh, we're gonna bring that episode back. Hank is gonna drop some knowledge. We're gonna have a little musical interlude, and then uh, we're gonna uh, come back in. We'll hit that inside the park. Hank gonna drop that knowledge on you on the baseball side. There's a lot happening uh, in the game, and uh, you know I know he um, you know he's uh, he's ready to go, and so. Inside the Park will come back after we take this little short break.
inside the inside the inside the inside the park. The RSV family. My usual suspects with me. Hot baseball topic. We're just gonna jump right into it. I always tell you. The RSV family. You listen to Inside the Park. Inside the Inside the Inside the Inside the Park. Floundering. 
in the East. They've kind of rebounded a little bit. They're still under 500 and then rounding out with Tampa Bay. Over in the uh, bipolar uh, division, which is the uh, American League Central, you now have the Cleveland Indians uh, leading uh, by half the game over the Kansas City Royals, followed by uh, the White Sox, who started off like gangbusters, only to figure that, okay, they had no business out there in first place and decided to come back to the pack. Then again, the up-and-down Detroit Tigers and rounding it out with the Twins. When you look over in the West, you know, you have Texas now leading, uh, followed by Seattle, Houston, Los Angeles, and Oakland. You know, I look at that, you look at that West, and at one time that you had three teams in there that you thought could all contend for the American League uh, uh, pennant and well as the World Series. And now when I look at them, I'm not, I'm not so sure any of these teams are going. Houston, I guess last year they realized, you know, that was fun for a minute, but now the party is over, and they're coming back to, to earth. And I don't know if the Los Angeles Angels has the, 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 the youth to really compete. You know, you, we, the, the Mr. All-Everything, Mike Trout, is over there. But Albert Pujols, he had a home run today. But Albert Pujols uh, seems to just be an average player going on in Oakland, just gave away all their pieces. So, you know, we, this, the American League, in my opinion, is wide open. There is no – from the first few games out here, we watched the first 50-plus games is being played. You really don't see a real front runner. You see a lot of teams that get hot and get cold, get hot and get cold. Uh, we have to really pay very close attention to that uh, in the American League and see how that transpires. With that being said, you know, it's really difficult for me to really pinpoint who you want to see. As far as all-stars, you just have these players going up and down. I say let's watch. Probably next time we come on the air, we'll be able to, you know, really pinpoint who we're looking at as far as uh, the all-stars in the American League. We look over to the National League, and we have some of our same cast of characters as Washington and the New York Mets uh, in the East. Uh, Washington Nationals holding a two-game lead over the over the Mets, and I kind of pretty much expect this to be a two-horse race all season long. You know, when you got Max Scherzer able to strike out 21 Detroit Tigers when they had an opportunity there, the problem right now with the Mets is that the dark night, Matt Harvey is struggling, and I think he's out uh, for six to eight weeks right now. Uh, they're going that's that's going to be a problem. I, I I said when we had the inside the park uh, a segment, we had the show uh, way back when Matt Harvey was a was a rookie. I said then that yeah, I said then I'm I'm taking credit for this that he was going to have a problem because the Mets were really pitching him a lot as a rookie, and now they're struggling with trying to keep him healthy and on the field. So, you know, you're going to have to keep uh, watch that development as the year progresses. I'm impressed with the Miami Marlins. They're playing good ball, you know, uh, again, just a little bit above 500. But they've got some nice young talent over there. I, I, I am impressed with I, I like Christian Yelich. You know, I like Fernandez coming back with that team. Okay, i got to pay very close attention to them and see if they can make a push in the second half of the season, get through the first half, and then we'll see how they're doing. Rounding out that, that division, obviously, with Philly and Atlanta. The story of the major leagues this year is the red-hot Chicago Cubs. Okay, say say what you will, but the red-hot Chicago Cubs are really the story of this first half of the season. Of everybody else in the American in the major leagues, the Chicago Cubs have a nine and a half game lead over the Pittsburgh Pirates. They have been lights out, and they're a fun team to watch. They're a fun team to watch. Lurking in third place in that division in the National League Central, though, is the St. Louis Cardinals. You never count them out, ever count them out. 
Okay, and rounding that out also is, is Milwaukee and Cincinnati. Going into the American uh, National League West, again, it's an even year. Watch out for, of course, the San Francisco Giants. Four-game lead over the Dodgers. you got Colorado and then the ugliest uniforms in the majors this year with the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks and the San Diego Padres. You know, when I look at the league this year, again, it's going to come down, if I had to go early, it's going to come down to San Francisco and Chicago. That's going to be fun. Two teams that's got a wealth of pitching. You know, I, I have to look at the Cubs' uh, offense over the over the Giants, and everybody wants to say, I know I've got some Washington fans out there saying, don't count us out, don't count us out, we'll listen. Until you get it done, okay, down the stretch, I'm counting you out. It's Max Scherzer, you play always great the first few months of the season, then you get down to crunch time and you disappear, just like last year, just like the year before. You know, it should have already been time for you, uh, Nationals. I'm not, I'm not convinced this year, and uh, quite honestly, your offense don't impress me. All right, so I want to move on a little quick, uh, a little bit, and talk a little bit about a series to watch, uh, you know, just games to watch this, uh, this week. You know, there's there's a couple of games when I was when, back when we were doing inside the park, and we're going to bring it back for this year. Uh, what, what I'm going to call the Grand Slam series of the week. Uh, this is going to be the the three game set you need to keep your eye on because it's some intriguing baseball. This week I'm picking the Red Sox against the Giants. Okay, two teams that I've kind of highlighted a little bit in this segment because of the with the uh, the marquee matchup of Madison Baumgartner versus David Price. Now, regardless of the record, you're talking about two incredible pitchers, okay, and two teams that's at the top of their divisions, and it's going to be very intriguing baseball to watch. Uh, you want to you want to really get to see some players that's really been sticking out this season, uh, and some all stars on both of those teams. Pay a very good attention to uh, the Grand Slam series of the week, which will be the Red Sox against the Giants. Now, on the flip side of that. We also have what I call the swing and the miss series of the week. Yes, this is the series where if you can get a ticket, you ain't got nothing to do on that night, and you want to sit up and watch professional baseball, I guess you go to this game. All right? Two teams that's, that's sitting in the bottom of their divisions when you got the Oakland A's against the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, you think about this, if you were to wax nostalgic on this particular series, you can look at the A's and you can say players like, Early, you know, early players like a Yoannis Cespedes. You could say like a Josh Donaldson. You could say they're, they're with other teams. You could say on the Brewer side, you could say people like a Prince Fielder. You know, um, all these players are gone. They're with other teams. They're they're helping other teams out. And so you got you got you got a, a couple of also ran players, and then you got you know guys from the minor leagues that's trying to make a spot. So there would be your swing in the miss series of the week. For some of you geeks, you might want to go and check out the farm system and see what's going on there. As we move on with this segment, I'll be a little bit more detailed on what we're looking about, looking at for players, looking at what um, what they're going to be doing, looking at uh, the, pro- the progress of the farm teams and, and who's going to be making moves, who should sell, who should, who should buy. Uh, listen, it's going to be a long baseball season. We're just getting started. So uh, that's it for Inside the Park at this particular time. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back, and we're going to keep the show rolling. Steve, Steve, right. 
talking about him um we had a great segment of inside the park um that uh you definitely got to check out it will be um uh on its own podcast on itunes uh if you really love it please uh leave a review and uh give us five stars um hank is working hard getting this thing back on the on 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 the, on the rotation and we're loving it um really uh interesting talk around baseball and um, we want to really try to bring that back into what we do on the RSC platform uh, as well. We got another thing going on here tonight while we're on the air um, that could be a, a swing and a miss. <laughs> could be <laughs> you, it could be a whole bunch of other things going on out there in in, in Oakland, California. I mean, you know. I mean, it is a good old-fashioned beatdown, as I'm thinking. I'm looking right here, 91-64. Uh, I'm on this little, uh, we have this little uh, text messaging group between myself, Game Changer, and Phil. And, I mean, the, 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 the messages are blowing up. They're going back and forth. Um, Hank, you saw game one. Right now, it just looks like they got him game two. It looks like uh, Barnes, Elbow, Love. What do you make of this? Um, you know, I, I I thought you know I picked the Warriors to win, and and, and game changers called me flip flopping. Uh, but I explained to Phil today. You know, it was, and I blame it on Phil. He, he, I went to uh, a few weeks ago. I was in Cleveland um, doing some work, and um, Phil uh, set it up. So we went and checked out the Cavs against Toronto. Um, and one thing I told about Phil that. And, and it's something we're going to try and unpack, uh, but you would understand this growing up in Michigan and, you know, what sports means in a upper sports means something different in upper Midwest cities like Detroit, Cleveland, even towards the East Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, uh, Indianapolis, to some extent that, you know, economically, these are areas that have been going through it. And, you know, football's crazy in the South, but you got sun. You got people moving to the south. 
got a whole bunch. But these are cities that are fighting for identity, and a lot of times it is sport that uh, reminds them that they should have confidence in a stronger self-esteem. And so when I was in Cleveland, and obviously the 30 for 30 about Believe Lynn was out and all these different things, you can sense, you know, even though that's a city I used to recruit in Cleveland, it's a city that's been transformed, particularly over the past 20 years, got much more of a um, um, moving from manufacturing to a much more kind of commerce kind of uh, economy that is kind of uh, more around, got, you got the Hall of Fame for rock and roll and that, but it's still a city that is looking for that team to kind of reestablish itself. And so I kind of moved to the Cleveland side a little bit. I was like, saw LeBron. I mean, they had a, he had a triple-double that night. They put the camera on him. He kept looking up. The crowd was going crazy. And they finally gave him the salute. They just went wild. And there's something about that connectivity. But then these boys over in Oakland, they just don't care. I've been going back and forth with Game Changer about Draymond Green, you know, talking about whether or not he's a max player or not. And I just keep telling them, y'all can all keep telling me not a max player. problem is Draymond don't believe y'all. And so it don't matter what you say. <laughs> he 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 dang near averaging triple doubles. He don't really care what you say about it. all he does is win. And Kerr and they kinda of got a machine and now they're up like one oh two seventy five. So as a long entry, what do you make of this, man? Okay, first of all, wasn't it game changer that said Oklahoma City was going to the finals? He said it and then he tried to back off and so I finally had to send a text to him like, Hold up, we're going back and forth. He getting on me about my series. I said, Hold up. You're the one that said Oklahoma City was going to the finals. Now you out here freelance and free agent. You like a you in center field just playing the win because you don't really have a dog in the race. So you're correct. He did say hey, Oklahoma City. Because see, was going I was prepared. Not only going to the finals, he said they're going to win. Okay, the reason why I was asking you that because I was prepared. I was preparing myself to do a on these airwaves to do an open apology when. Uh, they were up three games to one. Why? Because I told everybody out there who's listening that he was out of his mind. I said he needed therapy, okay? And the reasons why I said that was because I said that Michael Westbrook, I'm sorry, Russell Westbrook, uh, and that team has not shown that they're able to put a team away because they lose their minds at the end of ball game. Okay, and until they show something different, anybody picking them needed therapy. That was my words. And I was willing to come on these airways and eat crow, only to find that the crow flew away and I was absolutely correct. So with that being said, now we can move to what we're talking about right now. All right? What you have with the Golden State Warriors and what you have with the Cleveland Cavaliers Anybody who's been watching the NBA over the years should not be surprised by what they see, if they have been watching these playoffs at all. And this is what I'm saying. If you don't believe for a second that the Golden State Warriors went into this playoff season fatigued, then you haven't been watching the whole year, okay? To win 73 ball games, to go into San Antonio, and to beat that team to get the 73rd ball game, they went for it. They rolled the dice that they were going to be talented enough to get through the first few rounds and be ready for the finals. Then they kind of got a little roadblock. What happened? 
their best player, dare I say, the uh, MVP, undisputed, voted MVP, first time ever in the league, okay, went down with a knee injury, all right? They were pushed by a very talented uh, Portland team, very talented Portland team. You could see some talent on that Portland team that you haven't seen before, okay? Shocking. Now, I say to you that uh, that that – that kind of threw them a little bit, okay? So then they're just trying to get their legs underneath them, all right? Oklahoma City made uh, San Antonio look old. We all saw that, all right? And so they came in, and you had a tired, fatigued championship team that was pushed to the brink and by all accounts should have lost, okay? But as Oklahoma City does, they let you off the mat. That's been their M.O. all season, and now we're in the finals. Now let's go over to the East, all right? Clearly the most talented team all year long were the Cleveland Cavaliers. They didn't have any competition, okay? The only reason why, if you've been watching, the Toronto won because it was up in Canada, and they got disinterested. They had won, what, 10 games in a row before they got to, before they lost that. They mm-hmm. became totally disinterested. Anytime you got players like Bismack Biombo start becoming household names and you don't laugh, that tells you that the team is disinterested. Once they got interested, that series was over. This is not. This shouldn't surprise anybody. You got a team that's already won a championship. All right, that was not going. That that was kicking Cleveland's butt all season. All right, now all of a sudden we're in the playoffs. This team has gotten resurgence. They, they can see the prize. They've won it before. And Cleveland now, the Kyrie Irvings, the Kevin Loves, they weren't here last year, okay? And guess what? They're deer in the headlights. If they, This game is over already, and I'm going to tell you, Cleveland better win both of them. I don't think they will. They better win both of them at home. And they better win that first one back in Cleveland. Oh, this is a sweep, in my opinion. Yeah, man. I mean – I, you know, more you look at that Golden State battle against OK City, in in uh, and then the you know uh, you know the previous battle against Portland, like really prepared them for this series. And when when I watch Game One, I, I think the Cavaliers are so hyped and so excited. I mean, they were they it's almost like boxing. They punched themselves out. Kyrie came out shooting everything, like with no you don't see any ball movement. Anything they forcing the issue and they're reverting. You know they they played for like two and a half three months. They really found the style, and then it seems like they're just going back to what they were doing early in the season rather than just straight ball movement. And you know when, when I watched them uh, at the queue, what you saw right away is they got they got the first ten fifteen seconds there was a lot of ball movement, and then the ball found the open person. Um, and I don't see them doing a lot of that. Um, I see them getting back into the ISO pounding, um, and and that's not going to work against it. In some ways, they almost have to, they might have to go back and play big with Mozgov. I can get a chance to see a lot of the game tonight, but they might have to do what OKC did, just go with a bigger lineup and just use size on them. Um, let me tell you. The problem me, is let me, they have is that their, big, their bigs aren't as athletic as the bigs that OKC has. No, but here, here, here here's everything – that here's what works in Cleveland, uh, that works at disadvantage for Cleveland, all right? Again, 
they didn't have the only team, in my opinion, that pushed them at all. And did that team didn't win a game. That was the Detroit Pistons. All those games yeah. with the Pistons was were, were close games. The Pistons was was in their grill. They just did not have the talent to get over the top. Okay, Atlanta didn't. What 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 was that? That was that was wet toilet paper. And again, the the, the Toronto series was nothing. Okay, if you watched that series, you could tell Cleveland slept walk through the two games they lost. This team is more immensely talented than anybody they played. Okay, you have a coach over there that's got experience at winning a championship, which now Tyron Lue, we're going to see for real what Tyron Lue mm-hmm. is made of. Okay, these are all intangibles. When it comes to playing and winning a championship, you just can't get some dude out the stands and come and coach a team and say, win me a title. Okay, some of the adjustments that, that Steve Kerr made, you know, in the OKC series, that, that he's going to make in this series, that he's going to he's going to counter with. Okay, uh, then you got two players, like I said, Kyrie, who's been shooting lights out with nobody on him. You knew this series. You should have known this series was going to be uh, troublesome for Cleveland when Livingston was your lead scorer in, in Game One. Okay, mm-hmm. that your that your that your that your your big stars really didn't get off that much, and you got blown. You got your doors blown off. As each game goes on. You know, the MVP is going to get stronger. They're going to get back into their continuity. Everybody's got their focus. They've got their legs back. This is the finals, okay? All sleepwalking is over, all right? Cleveland's got to figure out a way to find another level. They haven't been pushed this playoff, this whole playoff uh, season. They haven't been pushed. Now they're being pushed, and, and it's a problem. Now, you know, can, can, can they come back? Of course. But it don't look good. It don't look good because of the opponent in front of them, okay? And if you think that Golden State is going to let the foot off the gas at this point, they're not going to do it. So if Cleveland can't, can't muster a victory in game, in game three, this one might be over in four. Yeah, and Draymond had 28-9-5. and five. You know, I just sent that to Game Changer, you know, to try to let him know all that talk about Max and no Max. Uh, is is being shut down. So, you know, when we get back on the air, you and I will have a chance to to really uh, see what went down. Um, it, you know, it, you know, it's not a series until the home team loses one. But you know, like you said, they're gonna have to they're gonna make a home stand and they got to figure out how to come back in. I think he's got to play folks like Delhi Moore. I think he's gonna have to go like they did last year, go defensive minded and find a way to get his offensive guys on the floor. They played better last year against uh, Golden State because what they basically did was took the air out of the ball. They 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 got, they got their best defensive players uh, in the game and then uh, really made it tough and let LeBron do a lot of stuff. And then he's got to figure out how to um, get a man. Kyrie just doesn't play good enough defense and love uh, played great defense. He played pretty good defense in in the uh, first game. I don't know how I didn't get a chance. I'll look back at what they did tonight, but. Um, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to load more on the defensive side of it. Uh, let LeBron do his thing, you know, like like you would a running back. Let him get the first and ten and get you down and find ways to get the offensive guys in as they 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 learn how to play defense. And if they're not gonna play defense, stick with the guys like Delhi and guys who's gonna help you get stops so that LeBron can control the game. Now he's gonna have to go back to the model they had last year. Before we close on this. If they lose this in grand fashion, like a sweep, what does that say for the coaching change? And 
the fact that you let a guy go, you thought he couldn't get you over the top. You know, um, I think he's trying to take a job. Uh, Blatt is looking at going back to Europe. But, you know, what does that say when, uh, when <laughs> you know, if you just get swept? I mean, he had you competitive, you know, without yeah. Kyrie and everybody else. You know, um, and now, you know, the first two games, you're basically getting blown off the hinges. Like, what do you what do you say about Black? I mean, Black stock has got to go up. Well, here's the problem with that. See, now, David Black, I mean, Black, he, he made some bonehead moves himself. But that being mm-hmm. said, he didn't have a slow complement of players. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if, if just or because support. you want a player coach, here's where it comes into Here's where it comes into play. Okay, Tyron Lue. Again, anybody who thinks that the East, you know, was 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 competitive at all is is, is laughable. Okay, it it was not. Okay, they're, they're the fact that you know you're, that Toronto and Atlanta was the teams you had to go through wasn't saying much. It really wasn't. But that being said, you got a coach. You have coaches. Okay, mm-hmm. in the West, not just uh, not just Kerr. But you also had uh, Billy Donovan, who I'm going to tell you right now should should really get some Coach of the Year awards because he did yeah. have that team playing some defense and had them on the brink. And again, you got a hard-headed player that you know you you kind of brought around. And 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 when you got him to play your style of basketball, would have had you in the finals. But but you just, he's hard-headed, okay. And you got players like you got coaches like Popovich. Those guys know how to strategize in the playoffs. This is going to be a significant uh, hole for Cleveland to overcome. Tyron Lue yeah. is – when you say what you want, you know, but you ain't played nobody. Now you're going against the champs. You know, how you know confident is he going to be in the moves that he makes the very first time? you got a rookie coach here. You know, LeBron James, you need to play. You can't coach the team. And you got a coach fired that got you – y'all lost in six. So if you get your doors blown off in four, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said. And I'm going to tell you right now, fair or unfair, it's going to have a lot to be said about him. Yeah. Because it's going to be, and I'm talking about LeBron, it's like you got to be surrounded by Hall of Famers just to win a championship. When you've got two, you know, credible players in, in, in Love and, 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 and Irving, okay, so you need to be the man. And if you can't be the man, yeah, and you go, what, two and two and four, in finals, and the only time you won is with Dwayne Wade, that's going to say a lot about your, your status as the greatest player of all time. Stats mean nothing. It's championships when, you, when you're in the NBA like that. Well, we're going to take a break when we come back. It seems like we got to talk about him every time we're on the podcast. It's our <laughs> guy from Andover, Michigan. They keep testing him. They keep testing him. They better know he's the new Drake. He's football's version of Drake. We'll talk about it when we come back.
Real Sports Guys, one mic here at uh, Devon Wilson and Hank Davis. Uh, this has been a great show. Well, who's got beef is our next segment. So, um, when I interviewed Coach Bielema, one of the things I asked about was like, what's all this, you know, stuff about these satellite camps and, um, if you have a chance, go to iTunes, check out. It's a great interview. I mean, Bielema, as, as usual, is always great. Um, and he, so he gave, he gave us uh, a history on just kind of where it all started. It started out, he said, really, teams came down from Oklahoma into Texas. It was a great way for them to try to get a foothold in. He said that there were a couple of coaches that went up from the SEC and kind of brought that to the Big Ten to come down. And then in recent years, you know, Harbaugh, um, you know, kind of took it to another level. Uh, and then he mentioned that the day, the day before when I interviewed him that the uh, NCAA sent him like a six-page letter because they had to go back and say, yes, you can do it and, you know, all this other stuff. And so so Saban, who – Nick Saban, Alabama coach who, uh, who uh, you know, has done his share of winning uh, – people got to understand his origin is the Big Ten. I always remind SEC people that – you know, their run was built on leadership of, you know, at least three coaches with origins from the Big Ten. So I always have to let folks know that, to remind them of that, that, you know, uh, uh, that Urban and Saban and, um, yeah, are, are, have their origins in Midwest Big Ten coaches. Um, Les Miles. That, that in West, Les Miles. And so, yeah. you know, I always try to remind folks of that. Okay, so – so, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been hitting the ground and doing his thing, sleeping, you know, willing to sleep in recruits' room. You know, Jim is just throwing it all out there. Um, Hank and I had a chance to go see the spring game. And so, you know, you got Nick Saban at you know, the presser, you know, SEC presser, and and he's going off about these satellite camps that he said he wasn't going to talk about. And talking about his integrity, who's looking out for the game, not the SEC, not the Big Ten, not all this, who's looking out for the game and, and the integrity of that, who's watching for that. And Harbaugh, who I call the new football version of Drake, comes mm-hmm. back with back-to-back again and basically blasts him in Alabama for being critical when they got their own set of violations they had to deal with recently in their history around cheating and everything else. And now they're the moral authority um, around who should be doing this you know, uh, at all, and then, you know, Harbaugh hits him again. So, you know, you're there in Ann Arbor, man. Tell me, tell me, when you saw this, what did you say? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. You you asked, you asked the wrong one if you're looking for some controversy. I love it. You know, uh, this is what you do, all right? He, he basically saying you're going to sit here and be a hypocrite. He called him a hypocrite. You know, you done yep. broke rules, you done did all these different things, and then you're going to come out and say what's in the best interest of the kids? You worrying about violations? Give me a break. You know, he said, you know, it's laughable. You know, and, and, and you got all these apologists for the SCC, you know, saying, well, you know, it's Paul Feinbaum character, for example. He comes out oh and said, well, he's going to attack Nick Saban when actually Nick Saban was trying to talk about what to look out for. And, 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 and that's not the case. Everybody knows what, what Nick Saban's issue is, what the SEC's issue is. You know, if you got a coach that's that 
aggressive, and Jim Harbaugh is very aggressive. And, you know, you're going to pull some players. There, I, I do believe this, that given the time, this is a character that really does scare these coaches because Michigan could have a juggernaut based upon how he does stuff because you cannot question his ability to coach. You know, it was brought to my attention that Nick Saban was in the pros at one time and failed. Jim Harbaugh didn't fail in the pro game. He got a team to the Super Bowl that was 5-9 five and, five, five and nine when he took over or something like that, okay, 5-11 uh, and 11 when he took over, all right? And now he, he got into the Super Bowl in two seasons. So you talk about a coach that's got a pedigree of knowing how to win, and now he's got a, a way to get the players. Don't think for a second that these coaches aren't concerned with that. And, and yeah, I love it. And I'm going to tell you right now, my Michigan brethren love it too, all right? The brand's getting out there all over the world in a positive light. And, you know, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's a ruffling some feathers because it's been status quo, all right? It's been status quo. If you ask me, I think even Urban's been quiet because he came from the SCC, and he's doing some stuff. So he can't, he can't kick too hard. Because he don't want nobody opening up his closet neither because the skeletons will fall out of there like an old cemetery. You know it. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it, it's uh, it's uh, it's been crazy watching it, man. And you know, I think folks, even when I, I think I asked Bielema and folks, like, I just think folks are like, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go after this guy. I'm just going to let him do what he does and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, you know, get on him too deep. I'm just gonna get out the way. And I think people are gonna learn to kind of stay out of Harbaugh's way because he he's not taking any prisoners. He's he's uh he's he's coming he's coming he's coming and taking he, he's taking he's taking he's taking uh he's taking everybody out. And uh, it's been uh, great to to watch because he just he just doesn't care. And um, I'm just I'm just fascinated. You should be because, see, they think they, they've tried to make him out to be a maniacal lunatic. They've tried to make him out to be like this 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 crazed individual. The problem with Jim Harbaugh is Jim Harbaugh is smarter than everybody else. Jim Harbaugh lives, eats, and drinks all aspects of the game. He's very well read if you hear some of his quotes and who he quotes. He is very well versed. And he has thought very clearly about what he's doing and why he's doing it. And, you know, he is trying to be an ambassador, of course, first and foremost, for the University of Michigan, but for football itself. You know, there is a local radio station here that says, Jim Harbaugh may have some concerns about the, uh, the health of football. You know, youth football enrollment is down here in Ann Arbor. You know, you, you know in Ann Arbor you had three teams. Well, now they've only got the one team because enrollment has gone down. He had a free camp here uh, for, for the kids to teach football the right way, you know, so that the welfare of football is, is in good hands. And those are things that, yeah, you know, because all these camps that he's running, all them kids ain't coming to Michigan, all right? But he's going to get the ones he wants. But he is concerned about the welfare of football, and he will tell you that. And you're seeing that. What scares everybody is that the brand that's being promoted is the University of Michigan. And that, you give this coach the players he needs, 
and he's gonna he's he's he's, he's gonna run a train on this FCC, and they see it coming. All right, so we 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 are gonna do the hardball watch. You know, it seems like something new every time we get on. We come on the air. Hopefully, I can get a interview set up with him, and we can we can we can talk to him firsthand. But uh, when we come back, uh, we're gonna hit a couple of other things that hit with beef and a couple other topics before we close out the podcast. This is one mic on the Real Sports Guys platform. Uh, we're here with uh, my guy Hank Davis. This is Devon Wilson. We'll catch you after these messages. His mama named Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Mm-hmm. That's right. back to one mic. This is B. Wilsh on with my guy Hank here as we close out the show. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to do is we want to we want to try to foreshadow, we want to project into the future what we think a headline might be in the next 30 days. What is something that we think will come true here? And so this segment is what is the future headline that you see in the next 30 days? And so I'll start with that. My my future headline is Sean Porter defeats uh, uh, Keith Thurman. Uh, they fight on, on uh, I believe it's June 25th for the welterweight championship of the world in the Barclays Center. Two great young fighters. You know Keith Thurman is on a tear, um, but uh, they both know each other from childhood. But I predict that Sean Porter will have the upset of Keith Thurman. It's a long shot, uh, but that's my my mine. Hank, what about yours? Mine is a good one, that the SEC and the Big Ten announced that they will do an SEC Big Ten football challenge beginning in 2018, that they will line those teams wow. up and they will play a non-conference game every year. Wow. All right, Hank, we're going to let you call the mic here in the next 30 seconds. Okay, listen, 
I would be remiss if I did not close out the mic to once again, you know, bring us back to the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. You know, I, as I said earlier in the show, the first time I, I remember Ali was during the Frazier fight. Back in the day of wide world of sports, you would have Muhammad Ali, you know, spinning all of his yarn, all of his poetry on what he was going to do and how he was going to do it. You would have fights with Muhammad Ali just so that you could watch him fight against the likes of people like a Jerry Quarry, a John Pierre Koopman, or a Chuck Webner, just to see him kick somebody's butt. You know, and then you always had the big fights. We're going to miss the champ, but again, the greatest of all time, and, you know, God bless you. Rest in heaven. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 